Welcome to the official Cell Talks podcast brought to you by the Conference on English Leadership, or CEL. CEL is a collaborative, dynamic, discussion-based forum for literacy leaders organized under the National Council of Teachers of English, also known as NCTE. Every year and in every episode, we honor conversations around text, speakers, and big ideas. We believe it's essential for leaders to maintain and move conversations. Welcome to the conversation. Thank you for subscribing and sharing our Cell Talks podcast. I am Josh Flores, your host for season one. Each episode was recorded live at the 2018 Cell Annual Conference in Houston, Texas, and features speakers, keynotes, and members of CEL, the Conference on English Leadership. We hope our conversations ignite and support conversations with your colleagues at your schools or wherever you may be listening to this. It's a great PLC tool if you want to introduce something different to your PLCs. I think it's a great support tool for that to start conversations that maybe you are already having or want to have. And uh, we hope that you find all sorts of unique ways to use these podcast episodes. It's chock full of information. I had a lot of fun uh, just talking shop about our profession with professionals this year. And I look forward to continuing this podcast series. Speaking of sharing and continuing conversations, if you would like to know more about CEL, you can find us on the Twitter at at NCTE underscore CEL. Or you can search for the hashtag CellChat, C-E-L-C-H-A-T, and you'll find our members using that hashtag and sharing and having conversations. You can also visit NCTE.org, the NCTE main page, and find us under the Groups tab. Here is where you can get all the information and get prepared for our 2019 Fall Conference. It's happening in November 24th through the 26th in Baltimore, Maryland. And get this, our theme this year, creating opportunity, leadership to ignite movements and momentum. I'm excited. So, hope you enjoy that. And I hope you enjoy this inaugural podcast episode. Please don't forget to subscribe and share with a teacher friend that you love. And give us some feedback. Keep the conversation going with us, too. Engage with us on the Twitter. So, thanks again. And enjoy this episode of Cell Talks. Yeah, so I guess that gear. is riot gear. I mean, it's like flammable. Is it, is it the same thing? Yeah. I guess the riot gears you go in to start a riot. No. And riot then the anti-riot gears you go in to stop a riot. No, riot gear would be would be stuff to stop a riot. Like the cops would wear riot gear. Uh huh. So anti-riot gear would you would wear that to, if you're going to go start a riot? Yeah, that would be like preemptive riot gear. <laughs> so <laughs> this is getting nerdy real fast. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, English teacher stuff. Absolutely. And. <laughs> okay, so well, thanks for agreeing to this. Yeah, because no, I know you got on? places to be, and you're now? super popular. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just I just hit record and go. Mm. But uh, all right, so this is happening. Welcome to the first ever cell official cell podcast. You know, we've been experimenting. This is the first one. I mean, this is kind of the first real one, and, right? And I'm the best you could do. I mean, because usually when you kick off, I wanted a podcast, it, I wanted to start strong. I mean, right? Michelle Obama has a book out. <laughs> you didn't want to get. You're gonna go with me. I mean, you know, she was like, please. I was like, nah, nah. Yeah. You know. Gotta get Matt while he's here. Yeah. All and right. I just well, saw hey, present. I, I didn't see her I question present. your judgment, but I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah. Right. Of Michelle. Yes. There we go. And you. But waiting you know, for the second half of that. I'm just saying. Yeah. No. <laughs> but, I'm happy to be here. And my mind's on fire after the keynote. That was great. 
Yeah. Like I had like so many thoughts. Did you take notes like crazy? How do you take notes at conferences? Do you do the digital Me? thing or do you the notebook? I wait for someone else to take really good notes. So you just sit and listen? Uh, I try. No, I, I, I try to, you know what it is? I look selfishly. I look for things that I could steal and then uh-huh. use in, in my classroom. I think that's, that's, I think that, that when you're at a conference like this, you're always in the back of your mind thinking, or in the front of your mind thinking, how am I going to use this, um, you know, tomorrow? Uh-huh. And uh, I think there's a lot there that challenges assumptions. I think there's a reason that the three of them were in that slot. Yeah. Right? Because the, there were common elements to all of our practice uh, in, what they were te- in what they were talking about. So, I mean, I, I know that those sorts of presentations are challenging in the sense that there's a lot I now know that I didn't know before and I can't unknow it. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be far more convenient to unknow it because then I can go back to teaching my like ignorantly flawed practice. And that would be fantastic because I could just dwell in my own uh, 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 lack of awareness. But now that I know it, you know, I have two options, right? Uh-huh. I, can, I can adapt to that and I could do the hard thing. Yeah. And become a better teacher as a result, hopefully. Or I could, um, you know, be blissfully uh, uh, ignorant of it and, and, and in doing so be a hypocrite. So uh, that's, the, that's the gauntlet that's thrown, thrown down there. So hopefully I go with the, the former. You actually reminded me of something I'm really bad at doing is uh, I didn't introduce you whatsoever. We just sure. started talking. <laughs> do you mind introducing yourself and telling, like, what, what do you do, do, what's your background, how long you've been in the business? Sure. Um, I'm Matt Marone. I teach uh, high school English. I've been doing that for 12 years in, uh, in uh, Hillsdale, New Jersey, Pascack Valley High School. And uh, I also uh, am a literacy coach, and uh, I work with other neighboring districts on curriculum development and best practices in the classroom, the middle school and high school level usually. And I also uh, teach an alternate route program in New Jersey um, for people looking to get into teaching. Um, basically make sure that they're credited by the state and provide them with some tools and resources and strategies to help with those first few years in the classroom, which can be, as I don't need to tell you, can be pretty daunting. Um, so that's, that's what I'm doing uh, presently. Yeah. That's amazing. So is it a program someone else developed, or did you help develop the program to get these uh, first-year teachers in? No, I certainly can't take credit for developing the program, yeah. but it's, um, they, they, uh, they had a need, and I had uh, an availability, and it was something that I believe in. Um, I, I, I think that the later you get into teaching, the less support um, is immediately available. Okay. And I think that it's tough enough to, to switch careers and, and, and of all things move into teaching. Okay. Right? Um, uh, I think that very often they kind of fall through the cracks. You know, um, you don't always get assigned mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, when you were, you're, you're not looked at as a uh, 22-year-old coming out of, a, you know, a college uh, undergrad program. You're looked at maybe from the outside as, oh, they must have been teaching for a while. So there's this kind of implicit, oh, they know what they're doing. Yeah. And it's not the case, you know. Starting to teaching is is just controlled chaos it's um or, or in, in in some cases just chaos and and i think it's important that those teachers have as fair of a shake as anyone else so what's the most challenging aspect of teaching to explain to incoming teachers or to teach them the um legitimate concern of a lack of familiarity with their individual needs because teachers are coming from all different types of districts with different needs. Um, and so when I'm talking to, let's say, a, a, a 
first-year music teacher about uh, their experience and giving them strategies, and then they turn around and tell me that their district uh, can't afford to replace the instruments that are all broken. Um, (sighs) There is clearly an awareness gap there, and that's something that I have to adjust to. And I have to be a little bit more humble, to be honest with you, um, and check a lot of the assumptions that I have about their individual experience. So it really forces me to see the student, but in this case the teacher as well, uh, Mm -hmm. as their own their own person in their own ecosystem uh, rather than just kind of, oh yeah, here's what first or second year teachers experience as a boilerplate, boilerplate kind of uh, assumption. So, yeah. Wow, so you don't even have like the curriculum like, set up. Like, you get to know their individual challenges first and then you use that to kind of guide your instruction with those first year teachers. Well, they are the curriculum. In, in the way this program works, they okay. are bringing their real life situations and yeah. I'm bringing mine and uh, kind of I'm sharing how I would address them. Um, they're questioning, they're pushing back, they're adapting and relating it to their experience, and then vice versa. They'll share their struggles, and, yeah. and I'll try to, uh, to find ways to help them. So. But you're especially good at that because I know that's a big part of your presentation style is that you embrace the <laughs> randomness, <laughs> right? Very specifically, like random. Yes, you've, you've hit random the nail on the head. My, my particular style is, is I don't uh, develop a, a, a set plan. Um, you say that, though, but one of the reasons I – the actual topic I want to discuss with you that yeah. we haven't gotten to was design. Sure. Like you are structured. You do have like this uh, – I think you have a unique perspective on design. Not only because I feel like we fell in love at first keynotes, because you're one of the few people I know that actually knows what keynote is and uses it on a Mac like effectively. We geek out about that quite frequently. Right? Design and font <laughs> and color and style and animations. But I mean, I've noticed you have like a structure, a setup to your presentations. You have a pace that you follow. And I've even been privy to like overhearing you adjust it in the hmm. back. Like yesterday, things were running long. Yeah. And you came up and you made adjustments on the fly with your team that you're presenting. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I listen, I will always appreciate people putting positive spins on uh, uh, what I view as, as a possible lack of preparation. But, um, <laughs> and, and yeah, no, I mean, I was, uh, 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 I think I was speaking too much, which led to a little bit of a, 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 a unbalance yesterday. And I, and I don't typically play well with others. And that's, that's uh, definitely a big teacher flaw of mine is that um, usually I like doing sessions by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say it's partially because of the ego, but it's also, I think, because then I know that um, I can kind of mitigate any concerns and also then I don't have to feel guilty for compromising someone else's presentation. Sure. Um, but I, I, I couldn't have asked for two better uh, uh, co-presenters than Brett Conrad and uh, Nick Emanuel. And uh, yeah, no, I, the way I like to look at it um, is I'm designing the space, right? I'm designing, designing this framework for the the delivery of the content right and, yeah. and and there's certain kind of benchmark um uh, criteria that i want to hold whether it's a, a lesson i'm teaching or the design of a classroom like you were alluding to or even a, a conference session um there are certain uh, uh beats i want to hit over the course mm-hmm. of that um and then how i get there sometimes is a little bit of uh, free jazz you know um and uh, i find that the more scripted whether it's a student presentation or a keynote at a conference like this, um, the less authentic it feels and um, the less I think you can innately trust the presenter, um, mm-hmm. that what they're saying is from the heart and not from the textbook, you know? So yeah. um, I always prefer the spontaneity and the tightrope walking of, of figuring a lot out as you go, like getting from point A uh-huh. to point B, you might have to take a few detours. And I like that part. 
So it seems like your, your mind works like a flow chart. Like, okay, I, I went here, and now I have these options, so I could expand here and go here. But yeah. you, do, you said these beats. Well, so what are the common beats that you have every time you set up a presentation or you set up a lesson for your students? I, well, I mean, I think the big one is uh, i got to know where they, they have to be at the end. Right? Okay. And I think that working backwards, um, you know, whether it's lesson plan design or, or, or whether it's um, anytime you're trying to get heavy ideas out in an accessible way, yeah. I think you need to and, – and, and I think writ large this is a problem – culturally is that we have this almost um, uh, extremist uh, desire to to have someone immediately on our side in mm-hmm. you know any given issue or societal problem um, and we, we forget that before they can get from A to Z they got to go to A to B and then B to C and so we have to incrementally check for that connection or understanding. You know, this is with our students all the time. We talk about formative assessment, right? And like, we have to make sure that they're with us so they can keep going. We wouldn't just assume that by the end of the period, they're going to just be there. Um, with a keynote or with a, a conference uh, uh, session, um, it's the same thing. If you're not seeing that empathetic nodding in the room, uh-huh. um, you better follow up and, and find out why um, and adjust your, your presentation accordingly. If, if you see everybody is, is, you know, taking out their laptops not to tweet out something that's going on in the, conf- in the session, but because they're bored, <laughs> you have, they made a uh-huh. choice to be there. That's a commitment uh, of their, their time equity. Um, they could have gone to a lot of sessions, and you don't want them thinking about all the other sessions they could have gone to. Uh-huh. Uh, so you have an obligation. There's a, there's a shared trust in a, in a conference session like that. Um, so I try to give that back and, and adjust accordingly. And I do call a few audibles on the line um, you know, during a session, but I think it's always with the audience in mind, or whether that's a student or a teacher, you know? When you say you call a few audibles, you mean like those check-ins? Because I, I noticed you do that really well. Like I will, you will say something or get a start on something, and I'll be lost in thought on that. But you, you do that teacher voice thing really well where you don't yell. You don't even have to make wild gestures. I do as a teacher. But like, I don't know, for some reason, your tone is that you say it in a way where I have to lean in and really focus on what your words are. And it always, like, brings me back. Like, you do these brain check-ins and then check-outs. Like, I check out to do whatever you signed us, but then you're able to bring the audience back in, too, with some something funny. Huh. Like hey, a beat. I appreciate it. They say if you can reach one person, you know, that's <laughs> So I check that box. Okay. Um, no, I mean... I- it's, it's what I tell my kids, and it's what I tell people like, where they're, it's their first time presenting uh-huh. at a conference. And there, you know, there's just the beads of sweat are forming. Yeah, it's sure. just, you're just having a conversation, right? Uh-huh. That's all it is. It, admittedly, a one-sided conversation, but we're all choosing to be here. We're just, mm-hmm. we're, we're all people. We're, we're all in it for the, right re- the same reasons and the right reasons, one would hope. And it's just an opportunity to share what's working for you and to hopefully learn from them. And if you approach it as anything more than that, um, you're, you're, you're creating uh, a, a, a very uh, intimidating power dynamic. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, the same thing as, as us talking right now. Like, if I was just talking to Josh Flores, as in the, the Twitter guru, Josh Flores, then, you know, yeah, and it would be like, uh, yeah, and by the way, how do you stay so hip? I got to ask. Because, like, all of your cultural allusions and references and slang, like, you're not using it to induce cringes like I do with my students. You're, I feel like you actually understand it. So uh, I need to pick your brain about that. I, mean, I, I yeah. still don't truly understand what it means to be on fleek. I think it's pretty good, but I incorrectly used um, 
I wonder how much of this needs to be edited out. Like, I incorrectly used the term Netflix and chill, which has oh. a very um, inappropriate connotation, mm-hmm. but I used it with a Sunday school class that I was teaching. Huh. Um, and they corrected me because they were horrified. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you know the context of that, but I'll let you look it up on Urban Dictionary. That'll be fun later. Yeah. Have some homework. Yeah, I, I convinced my student, and this is another thing, too, while we're going down this side road that will be edited out. Um, <laughs> sure. Famous last words. Uh, I, uh, I, I, some of my students were freaking out because um, our, our department chair put up a uh, bulletin board at the beginning of the year that said um, it was like Drake lyrics repurposed as like a solicitation to read. Fantastic. Um, yeah. yeah. And the kids were all cringing because that's what you do when adults try to be relevant. You cringe. Yeah. And <laughs> what the kids don't understand, and I had to explain to them, is that we don't do it and then accidentally have them cringe. We uh-huh. do it so they cringe. And that's one of the joys of being an adult. And I imagine, I imagine one of the joys of being a parent is that yeah. you are intentionally trying to solicit that. It's, it feeds the soul when mm-hmm. you see that kind of like everything just tightens. Um, so I convinced my students, long story short, that um, I thought that AF meant and fun. <laughs> So, yeah. so why not? You know, why not? this class, man, today's class is going to be lit AF. Yes. It's going to be lit. I'm going to keep the lights all the way on and fun. <laughs> and uh, just watching just the, it's, it's, it's like a mix of pity and shame uh-huh. that I try to, <laughs> I try to foment in my classroom. Um, I find that that's most conducive to learning. So, sure. I think so. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, kids are getting savvy. I think eventually they're going to call us out on, like, some uh, some form of cultural appropriation to, like, their youth. Oh, <laughs> like their oh language, just age right? appropriation. Yeah, age appropriation. Yes. There it is. Absolutely. Like, we'll you're taking that- our slang, you're ruining it, then we have to go create new slang words, and then you're going to ruin those. Well, you have to keep in mind, though, this is all said through the vessel of me wearing, like, page 47 of the J. Crew catalog, so <laughs> they don't really need to worry too much about uh-huh. uh, having their, their style copped. But you're hip. I mean, for those in, uh, First in the <laughs> those in the Twitter world, though, like if you need some like connections, if you don't know Matt, you're like the uh, you're like the white Mr. Minor. Thank you. Right. I, we'll like he he, he presented yeah. at Cell, and he yeah. was amazing. He's very engaging too. Sure. Like I don't know. Do you skateboard like he does? That's how I connected to Mr. Minor. We're both I, skateboarders. No, I skateboarded once. Okay. Well, well, that should tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> One go. time, snowboarded once too. So I just snowboarded once. It's not for me. No. no. <laughs> not not into that. No. I mean, Twitter is uh, mm-hmm. taking some weird twists and turns lately. I've been actually on Twitter a lot less um, yeah. lately. I think it's becoming kind of toxic. It um, has. Teaching-wise, it's okay. It can get mm-hmm. a little didactic, but it, it, it's yeah. it's okay. But I, I worry about the effect uh, in a broader sense. And 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 uh, I've been. We're, we're going to talk about design. I don't know if we're talking about. I'm going to come back anymore. to that because yeah. I do have like one other thought on that. But I mean, yeah. But my my my, my concern with Twitter right now is that um, I'm seeing more and more that my students are unwilling to voice their own working through of an issue in uh-huh. society because they're so afraid of being um, vilified or called sure. out for being wrong. And I think that we need to remember that our classrooms are places to hash out our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about safe spaces a lot, which are fundamentally important, but we also need safe spaces to work through our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, uh, right now, Twitter and, you know, by proxy of its kind of call-out nature right now, I worry that people aren't able to explore ideas and yeah. as a result are just not engaging with certain really challenging ideas. Um, so, so yeah. So I've, I've soured a little bit on Twitter. Um, but again, I think that's because of adults. Adults got on Twitter and they ruined it. 
<laughs> you know, they yeah. started using it for adult purposes, and now it's uh, not a place where you can just share photos and maybe, like, here's what I'm thinking, here's an opinion, but you could be attacked and want to get yeah. people re- requires your evidence and citations on it. It's like, man, they sure. took yeah. that over. So now i got to go to this, what is it, the, the Snapchat, so then my stuff can be deleted immediately. Yeah, well, I still think <laughs> this is off. where we reveal that you're far less paranoid than I am about yeah. some things. And you know, to me, just the whole nature of having something that you can only say in X amount of characters mm-hmm. is really, you know, inherently encouraging very blunt um, broad stroke mm-hmm. uh, uh, binary assumptions about things um, things meant to get liked and retweeted rather than contemplated so mm-hmm. you know I, I am concerned about the fact that what happens when we turned into a country of um, of opinions that could all fit on bumper stickers you know right right you don't know the well I mean this goes back to your design this is what I was coming back around to sure. on top of hey, design if you can tie this back together you're better than I thought See, I, Flores. I'm telling you like you know you have this you stated like you start with the end in mind. So you have this goal you want to reach mm-hmm. with whether you're presenting to adults, incoming teachers, or your students. Sure. You know, like standards-based or whatever, you probably use the standards. But you start by having a conversation and getting to know your audience. And you build that relationship, that professional relationship, teacher-student relationship, expert-audience relationship, and then make the connections along the way. Like, that's how, after this conversation, I'm seeing your design work. So you start with the standard, or you start with the standard in mind, but you get them there by building that relationship. Yeah, we're not algorithms, we're not websites, we're not... We're not worksheets. We, there are some, there's a reason why there needs to be a human element in teaching, and it's very hard to learn from someone if you don't like them and you don't respect them. Mm-hmm. And uh, having spent many years as an unliked, unrespected teacher, I think you, you, you ultimately it dawns on you that mm-hmm. you're, not, you're not just transferring uh, metadata. You, know? you, are, you are engaging in a very, in very vulnerable action, which is... Mm-hmm. Um, accepting that you're going to leave this room a different person than you were when you came in. And that's what you do every time you walk into a classroom and every time you walk into a session. You're saying, I am open to the possibility of being different in some way. Um, And that is a very fragile experience. And being unwilling to respect and acknowledge that fragility is insensitive, but it's also disrespectful. And so I think going wow. in, I, I think that going into any sort of conversation, whether it's in the framework of a classroom lesson or a, or a conference session, um, every single one of those conversations is um, an exercise in vulnerability. If I'm not willing to be completely honest with the people in my room, um, what right do I have to demand their attention, their consideration, um, a rethinking of their frameworks um, in their life? So, so to me, that's paramount. Is is you, you go into this? Um, it's a very delicate dance, and you owe you owe a, a degree of respect and honesty, um, you know, with your 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 fellow uh, uh, participants. Yeah, I, I would imagine your students feel very respected by you. I hope so. Right, because you're. You do have these conversations, and I think that's one of the, you know, every time I, in my, especially in my new position, I go into various schools, and they always pull out all the pie charts, all the data first, and then I go do the observations in the classroom, and it's like, oh, this is what's really wrong. There's no relationships being built here. Like, the students don't know their teacher. The teacher doesn't really know the students. Yeah. And so it starts with, like, 
very simple things like, do you say hi? Do you show any curiosity in your students? But it's really hard to explain that using, you know, breaking away from the data. Like we're all so consumed about looking at that first yeah. before just having a conversation with the student in the hallway. And we have this very narrow um, uh, interpretation of what data means, right? What we mean mm-hmm. by that, we mean this kind of objective numbers-based data. So it only can focus then by definition on things that are quantifiable, mm-hmm. right? So if we can only focus on things that are quantifiable, all the things that make that great teacher you had um, uh, uh, great are, are essentially falling, you know, by the wayside. Yeah. So, so why is it that we can't wrap ourselves in a, as, as, you know, as educational reformers, by the way, I'm doing air quotes. I know this is a podcast. <laughs> um, but as educational reformers go into a situation, why can't they wrap themselves up in anecdotal data, right? Like, mm-hmm. why can't we go, why can't we look at what a school is doing uh, uh, poorly or doing successfully through the lens of the dynamic between students and teachers or mm-hmm. students and each other or colleagues? Um, we don't because it's very, very hard to sell software that way. You know, yeah, I think about, it's a lot more time consuming, too. You want the hot take? There's the hashtag Marone hot take. I think it's yeah. very, very hard if you have a booth at a very large convention hall to say this is going to get your teachers and students to respect each other more. I think that is not as um, it doesn't it doesn't connect with our reptilian brain as much as you know forty seven percent of students within the first three months saw an increase in their vocabulary development. Mm. You know, and if you if you are under the expectations of your superior, you know whatever role you're in in education, mm-hmm. um, you have this tacit or otherwise expectation that you're bringing the numbers up. You know, and what's that doing? Uh-huh. Is that's all that's doing? If we're focusing on numbers, we might as well just say the kids are numbers too. You know, mm-hmm. so. There it is. Wow. Go ahead. Don't at me, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So hip. See? You know what it is? I think I saw that on someone else. I think I saw that on your Twitter, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, those are a lot of good ideas. What is something you would do differently if you could start a new school from the ground up? Oh, Josh, I don't fix things. I just blow them up. That's my... (laughs) I'm just a catastrophist. I just chicken little of the education world. Um, What would I do different? Okay, well, so... um, and a lot of this I'm, I've stolen over the years and then kind of reinterpreted. But um, I, I think we have to, just like I would work backwards from a lesson or a session, I think we need to work back for, yeah, work backwards from what is our goal um, in these four or eight or however many years um, with our students in terms of who they become, right? Mm-hmm. And so often it's like we're preparing them for the next level. But that is a solely academic uh, discussion, right? That is solely based on are they going to be able to hang at that high school or college or post-college level. Um, I tell my kids sometimes, I'm a public school teacher, and I tell them sometimes that, you know, lest we forget, I am a representative of the U.S. government. You know? I'm a public school teacher. Right. I am an extension of the U.S. government. You work for the government. And historically, whether we like it or not, this system was put in place not to make you great, but to make you employable. We want to keep the wheels of the economy turning. Um, so the frame, they don't know I'm a spy, you know, <laughs> they don't know that I'm a double agent, but, um, but I think that it needs to be said that this whole system originated from a desire to herd and move as one piece, basically people who happen to be born within 12 months of each other and get them into a world where they can keep buying coffee and t-shirts. And, and how are we going to put them in a position where they can make just enough money to buy those things, 
right? Mm -hmm. So when we can look at some of our interactions and some of our roles as teacher and student as through this framework of why are we even here in the first place, right? Start questioning some of the fundamental elements of education, public education, the dynamic, the power dynamic between teacher and student. Um, why is it that we, just like when we get out of school, we're chasing the shiny objects in school, we're chasing the reassuring and maybe even validating grades? Mm -hmm. um, why is it that a, a any of our quote-unquote high-performing students will feel less about themselves because someone wrote a different letter on a page? Um, these are the systemic flaws and inequities that we're seeing every day, no matter where you are, what district you are, what, your, what the demographics of your students are. We're seeing our students beholding to, beholden to something that is fundamentally arbitrary, right? There is no objective reason you can't have a school prioritize kindness over academic performance. We don't have any schools that do it. And I'm stealing from Ken Robinson here, but we don't have any schools that do this, but there's no objective reason they can't. It's just that we're beholden to generation upon generation of this is what school is. So yeah, when we talk about disruption, disruption doesn't mean giving our students choice of two books instead of one. Disruption means rethinking the very paradigm of what school is, right? Like, who are we in the classroom? What is it we're trying to get across to our students? And what are the conduits through which we get that information out there? What does it look like, Josh? I don't know. And I know the irony of that because we're supposed to be talking about design. But I know that what we're doing for so many of our students isn't working. Yeah. And it's burning teachers out, and it's, and it's pissing kids off. I don't know where to go from that. That was, that was great. <laughs> like I said, I'm just blowing things up. I'm not building them back. Well, you know, my favorite question is always to ask, like, what's an aspect that needs to be disrupted in education? I think you put it in there. Like, I feel like you would design a school where kindness is the focus. And you'd, well, you'd accomplish yeah. a lot, and you would pump out a lot of not mediocre, not average human beings. I, I think we forget sometimes that our kids um, cannot leave. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a very simple <laughs> thing. No, but it, it's odd. Like, I get to be there, but they pay me, yeah. right? Um, they cannot leave, and they are, they are obligated legally to be there. And if we took any adult and we legally obligated them to be somewhere that was painful every single day, they would be a prisoner, mm -hmm. right? And right now, and I just heard this the other day, one of the key differences um, between our kids, basically anyone you know who's a minor right now in America, and our prison system, uh, one of the big differences is the prisoners are required to go outside for 75 minutes a day. That, our, that our, really hurts. Yeah, our oh, kids are, okay. spend less time outside than, than our prisoners um, are legally required to because otherwise it would be cruel and unusual. And we know all of these facts. They are all out there. The fact that our kids, they are beholden to, to, to a system that, that is prioritizing their products instead of their processes, mm -hmm. right? Um, that is uh, uh, diligent in its efforts to um, uh, reinforce this concept that if you are not getting the right grade, you are fundamentally flawed as a learner slash person. Um, why can we not build a system that actually validates and encourages failure rather than just putting it on a poster mm -hmm. on the wall, right? And I just yeah, picture like yeah. there's a little squirrel hanging onto a branch or a cat and it just says, hang in there, you know? Like, why is it that we're so, we are so um, hypocritical with our messaging and systemically we're so um, 
we're so we're so adamant that uh, uh, that that everyone does well on the first time, mm-hmm. you know. And I know that's something we've talked about before. Just like failure cannot just be a trendy slogan. Like if we want our kids to fail and to celebrate the process and to learn from their failure, we cannot create a system or support a system that where our students are scared to death of doing something wrong. That's something I would change. If we're talking about something changing, you know, I, I think that the way we, we talk about honor roll, the way we give out bumper stickers to the parents of the kids getting A's, the way that we um, have a student who, 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 who possibly took fewer chances than other students in order to get the highest grade and be able to speak during graduation. Mm-hmm. I think we need to rethink the frameworks in schools that celebrate the kids who might take the fewest chances. So I feel that also comes back to, you know, you spoke about vulnerability. And so that made me think about vulnerability and transparency are a good way to start to actively demonstrate and model these qualities and character to students by being vulnerable, by admitting, okay, this lesson's failing. I need Mm. to rethink everything we're doing here. Yeah. Okay, forget the quiet time doing the worksheet. We're going to do the worksheet in pairs, and then we're going to come to a consensus on the answers together, something like that. And... um, being totally transparent with the kids. That's a big reason why I do think, um, as hard as it is, and I have also kind of taken a, have not been on social media as active as yeah. I usually am, but I do think it is a professional responsibility for us to be on Facebook, on Twitter, somewhere in the public eye where our students can see us actively pursuing more knowledge, that we want to be a better teacher, but we also are doing things I don't think they normally think their teachers do traveling enjoying beautiful lines in literature sure. um they so we aren't again hypocritical i'm with you in the sense that people should be putting that on social media mm-hmm. but i think just like we see with selfies and just like we see with um pinterest i think people are putting these um fictionalized best selves on social media which could be perpetuating a lot of the sphere of failure you know are yeah. we really willing to put our wet worst lesson online I, I don't know. Um, and, and you were talking about having to bail on a lesson because it's so poorly. Uh-huh. Uh, we, did, we did it so poorly um, just last week. You ever have those moments where you're like, I'm going to start the lesson and I'm going to figure it out as we go? <laughs> and I think uh-huh. just because this group is so quick, they're going to, oh, boy, I had some sort of game to test reading comprehension. I didn't know the rules of the game. So it turned into, like, whose line is it anyway when there's, like, no points because nothing really matters. So I was just throwing points. It was just a disaster. Now, older teacher me might have just powered through and said, no, they can't see me sweat. Yeah. But I, I couldn't do that now. I just <laughs> really? said, this isn't working. <laughs> And, that, and that's, to me, humility. We talk good about for you, yeah. Humili- well, good, good for me. They wouldn't have thought so. Because, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, but it is, but it's just because it's so atypical from what our students get. They, yeah. they, they're so used to this kind of stoic, we're, we're bearing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, this lesson, and, and we're going to, we don't want them to know that we're human and yeah. flawed, as crazy as that is. And I wonder if that extends to social media as well, in that um, I don't know if people are always... Um, and I don't blame them. I don't think people are always sharing that vulnerability. And I think that there's so much risk in being judged. All right. Um, so that'll be the call um, to action of this podcast. Uh, hashtag my worst lesson. What was your worst lesson? And then just I, post that out on I, social media. I would love it. And I would love That'd it if great. it was genuine. You know? And I have I, a couple. <laughs> but I worry psychologically <laughs> that maybe some people would put their best worst lesson. My best worst you know, lesson. You <laughs> know, the lesson that they learned from. Like, I'd rather uh-huh. have the terrible lesson that was just a waste of everyone's time. <laughs> You know, I got I got one of those stories. I'll tell you off, Mike. Oh, okay. Only okay. because we're, we're over thirty minutes, and I know yeah. you got stuff to do. We and talk people nothing want to talk design. to you. 
We talked. We totally talked about design. It's great. As a metaphor. I mean, design. <laughs> design you didn't give like a here's what you do first, here's what you do second. But I think we got a really general good sense about your design. And uh, what I like about your design is that there is that improv jazz element to mm-hmm. it. And I think um, you know I have a. a when I get to co-present, I have one PD partner who is very structured, and I'm usually not the most structured one. Mm-hmm. And so I think we balance each other out in that. Okay. So like when it comes time to improv, I can jump in there and do it, and uh, and, and they need like notes. <laughs> I would be eager to hear if they thought that, that that you balance each other out. Yeah, they do. They do. We've <laughs> talked about it extensively about presentation style. These are just things that interest us. You That's know. awesome. So you need that. Hey, well, I'm I'm very glad Michelle yes. Obama canceled and you were able you know, to. Uh, we'll try to get it back on, but I'm glad yeah. you came. You know, I in am, her state, you know, it's great. Absolutely. So thank you, Josh, and good luck with the rest of these. All right. Thanks All a right. lot. Thanks, and uh, thanks for listening. And until next time, take care of yourself, take care of your students, and take care of each other.